Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We have one of the original queens in studio today, Kara. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's about so, time we chatted with no each other. No kidding. Yeah. It's time to have deep thoughts by Kara. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. I don't have many of those. It's a surface level. <laughs> so if you follow our podcast, you're aware that Kara has a passion, interest, and devotion in her career to mamas. Oh, I love talking maternal and with health. Yes. And right now, mamas are, well, let's not say they're all struggling, but we are facing adverse times that we're mm-hmm. not used to. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what you have been seeing in practice right now mm-hmm. in your clinical practice. Um, you know, our practice sees women across the reproductive stages of life. So we're seeing postpartum, we're seeing infertility and um, prenatal and um, loss. So again, like with so many populations, this is this impacting women across the field just because it's impacting so much of their time, their bodies, um, the medical system right now. So for our mamas, the biggest things going on now, postpartum moms, is that we're more isolated than we ever have been. And we're not supposed to be having babies in isolation. We're supposed to be getting a lot of help from our family and friends. And due to um, how our families are acting with COVID, what they're doing, and then, of course, the reality of what moms want to do in keeping um, their babies safe. And and I talk a little bit about how this isn't much different than, like, flu season postpartum. Mm-hmm. It is just flu season to an extreme, <laughs> right? And then this year we are having flu on top of COVID. So we need to be careful, and our moms are having a hard time, again, especially new mamas, transitioning to motherhood in a more isolated way. And again, we're not supposed to be doing that. So those mamas are having a hard time. Um, Those struggling with infertility, you know, that's gotten better, but um, treatments have been on hold for a very Mm -hmm. long time. Um, There's been kind of a waiting list to get back in to start treatments. And then them too, they are making decisions on how they want to protect themselves Um, going through treatment. They're being very careful. Some are quarantining before um, an egg transfer if they're doing IVF. Um, So being very careful and, again, kind of going back to the same thing. Um, more isolated right now. And with our lost clients, also um, the difficulties of not having a spouse with them when, so spouses aren't able to go in typically if for ultrasounds for appointments. So many women are having to experience that information by themselves um, or even kind of pregnancy after loss, women that are, are pregnant 
after a loss have a lot of anxiety when it happens to be being pregnant again. And again, our partners are being limited in how they can help us. So overall, moms are feeling a little bit more isolated. And um, we are that's what we're working on in terms of trying to get them more support in a way they can right now when things are weird. So what does that look like? Like what Mm -hmm. would have been some different kind of creative ways of support during this? Yeah. I'm just calling it COVID chaos. Hashtag COVID chaos. It is. That is what's going on. You know, with pregnant clients, and I love one of my things is working with a client who is pregnant so we can do a lot of preparing before they have a baby. So we are talking about who's available postpartum and who is good at what. Um, The biggest thing is what doctors are recommending to OBGYNs is if you are having specific parents help you have them quarantine for two weeks before baby gets here. Um, Either that be at their house or some from out of town are kind of getting like Airbnbs Mm -hmm. and they're coming to Kansas City and staying there. And um, that they can be available for helping with baby. Um, that's what we're talking a lot about with postpartum clients and kind of limiting who's good at what, asking for the help, (laughs) outsourcing (laughs) as much as you can, if you can. And there's a lot of like services that are being really helpful that are doing a good job. Um, you know, at Sentimento Counseling, we've got Kansas City Infant Cleaning. Um, feeding. So they are doing all that they can to be helpful and safe and still being a resource to moms. I know postpartum doulas are doing a really good job too in terms of being safe and being a resource because they're really wanting to help mamas right now. So I talk a little bit about what that transition looks like, what to be prepared for, um, and then how can we open our circle a little bit? We are talking about risk versus risk, right? Risk of getting the virus mm-hmm. or risk of our mental health being affected by this isolation. So everyone is making their own decisions. But we do look at how can we open up our circle a bit if we can to keep it safe because, you know, it really is hard on our mental health right now. So when should a mom consider seeking out care like Mm -hmm. i think that's another thing i have a a dear friend that really struggled with postpartum depression to the point of um suicide risk and she said like nobody brought it up to her Mm -hmm. nobody screened her Mm -hmm. she's at home with baby twins so you've Mm -hmm. got (laughs) double the babies to take care of and just got in a dark place like how can they check in in their sleep deprived state to know like i need some help you know honestly It's my job to decipher what is the transition to motherhood and the hard stuff that goes along with that. That's typically kind of normal. And even with that, I think it's beneficial to see a therapist. So what is kind of motherhood transition stuff and what is a diagnosable postpartum mood issue? And you don't have to do that. You can call a therapist who specializes in that, and we can kind of decipher what's going on, but both can be helpful for that. I just say, I am not feeling like myself. Um, I've never, if I haven't felt this way before, if I am not enjoying this 90% of the time, it's helpful to talk to someone about it. Usually the easiest one is to go to the OB, Um They usually have referrals to people like us. um, And unfortunately, the OBs should be doing some screening of, 
you know, there is a very easy, the EPDS is the most tool used and it's really easy that they should be doing um, postpartum. But if you're not feeling like yourself and I say that that is a good enough reason to reach out and to let a specialist look at like what's going on, how did we get here and what we can do. Right. And I feel like there's so much shame for like the mom that when they first have their baby just feels really disconnected. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit of resistance to bonding with that child. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they understand that it's not them. It's the chemistry going on within their brain. So can you speak to that? Oh, I love talking about the chemistry in the brain. (laughs) Oxytocin. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's first talk about the postpartum brain because there's been new research out in the last five years or so looking at the maternal brain. So now due to MRI imaging, we can tell a woman who's had a baby and who has not just by looking at their brain. Which makes sense because... That's why you have pregnancy brain and it never goes away. No. And it turns into (laughs) postpartum brain, brain, mom brain. It is a thing. So what we're noticing, which is so cool, and it makes sense, we are carrying this baby and delivering this baby. So biologically, our brain is telling us that we need to keep this thing alive. You are the only one that's in charge of keeping this thing alive. That's a lot of stress. Right? (laughs) It is. (laughs) So what's changing in the brain, there's a lot of different aspects of it, but in the area of empathy, so empathy is growing. So that means I need to be able to read what this baby needs and then engage and do something about it. What we're also seeing is the area of the brain. So when my baby cries, the area of the brain that lights up is the same area of the brain with someone with OCD which is creating this hypervigilance. My baby is in distress, something is wrong, and then I need to go check on what's up. And research show nothing is happening in our partner's brains. Doesn't change at all. (laughs) There is some research that shows if the partner, let's say um, in same-sex couples, that the there is changes in the man's brain if they end up being the primary caretaker. Again, it makes sense. Our brain needs to adapt right. to different skills. But this hypervigilance, the biology of postpartum, um, can lead a mom to, I mean, we are functioning. I'm keeping this baby alive. I'm really in it. That it's hard to attach in this very loving and mm-hmm. I love you sort of way versus like, I'm just trying to keep this thing alive. <laughs> I don't really know him. He's the worst roommate that showed up <laughs> and he needs everything from me. <laughs> so we talk about the realistic expectations of um, of attachment with a baby Again, postpartum. And then it is, for me, I am deciphering what is normal transitions, what is some other attachment issues going on because of a mood disorder, right, that really impacts it, which is the mood disorder versus I'm a bad mom. Mm -hmm. We're talking about that, too. I'm not attaching to baby. I don't know if I even like him. This is so hard. And we do some of those symptoms are because of the mood issue versus this is what motherhood is. But again, it takes a little bit for us to, like, have these feelings of love that we might not have gotten postpartum, which we all expect to, and then we feel that there's something wrong, Wrong. right? Um, So we're talking about that so much. And it is a lot of those first few months of give, 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 and we're not getting much back. And when baby starts giggling and cooing, and that's when we get some of that positive Mm -hmm. stuff back. 
Also, what's happening in our brain is that our babies are kind of our coping tool, too, on top of that. Very true. Um, when we're holding our babies, um, when we're feeding our babies, um, all that good stuff, the dopamine, the oxytocin is rising, and our cortisol levels drop, too. And I don't think that actually changes. I'm just speaking. I don't actually know if there's research. It makes sense to me that they still are our coping tools, right? When I'm feeling angsty, and if they're feeling angsty, I feel better and I calm down when I'm close to them. So they are, <laughs> the conflict of motherhood is they are our main stress <laughs> and distress and, our, main and our major coping ah. school. I think that is the, <laughs> the utter uh, conflict of motherhood. It is the same. And I love this is that, you know, I can go get out and go somewhere to Target and I'm like running out of the house. I'm so I'm free. I can't wait. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I miss them so much. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do? I was gone. <laughs> I better be back. I only can leave for two hours. That is the conflict of motherhood. And there's so much biology around it. And that is why. And I think that helps women understand, like, oh, like, okay, it's not just it's me. It's what's happening on my brain. And everybody's going to be different. And, you know, I, I felt blessed <laughs> at the time I didn't, but that my mother was a social worker. So she was already like, make sure, Becca, if you feel this. And every day, how are you doing? <laughs> sure. Had any bur-? I'm like, Mom. And then finally I hit that spell where I was mm-hmm. like bawling my eyes out, didn't feel like myself. And mm-hmm. it'll pass. It'll pass. And just kind of kept talking Absolutely. Me it. And a lot of times it is a significant other because when you're in it, it's so hard to recognize. Um, I would say it was the same for me. I struggled a lot with anxiety postpartum. I, and I even being a specialist, I'm like, well, this, especially for my first, must be what motherhood is. And it takes maybe someone from the outside, our partner, or other significant others, like, you know, I, I think something's up. So that is the piece when we're in it. It's really hard to acknowledge something's going on. And for moms, it is hard to ask for help. There's so much shame and guilt around it. Right. I should be able to do this. I should be able to do it well. I should be able to do this without complaining. So if I'm saying there's something wrong with me, that means there's something wrong with – that means I'm a bad mom. And that is that big step of – a hard to ask for help because that just acknowledges I'm a bad mom. I'm putting that in air the quotes. Brene Brown voice right now. Shoulds lead to shame. <laughs> Shoulds lead to shame. <laughs> it is. Should, should, should. Oh, it gets us so, <laughs> in so much trouble. So mm-hmm. now let's kind of fast forward and let's talk about the moms that are, you know, I, I've used this word during hashtag COVID chaos is mm-hmm. like, ironically, like suffocating. Like we can't go out and do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yet there's this fear of going out. Mm-hmm. Yet, even though we have people at home, we feel isolated. Like, how can moms get, you know, one second of time? I think we even talked about solitude. Not so much oh, isolate, yeah. but solitude just to quiet uh-huh. our brain. Yeah. I did a little post on this on our Instagram that we need to be in charge of protecting our nervous system. Right? Ooh, our nervous system. Like because we're kind of touched out. Um our kids are chattering. Um, we're more angsty. We are surrounded by noise much more than ever. Um, that's leaving us a little angsty and irritable and overwhelmed. So our nervous system is a little bit on high alert right now. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, and it's been a learning process for me too, is that I actually need more solitude now mm-hmm. as a mom than I ever had. And yet I I have less time than I ever (laughs) have. So that's a quandary. Um, It is, I think it's getting to the point that I'm comfortable in using my voice and 
how do I get it? How do I ask for it? And what does that look like? And it can be actually very simple things. So, you know, what our nervous system needs, it might be a little bit more quiet time. How can I ask my partner to maybe do the evening routine sometimes that I can sneak away? Um, how can I ask, I think, a connection to nature quiets our brain and body down? How, how can I get out, especially taking advantage of the nice weather right now before it gets to winter, um, get outside and put my kiddo in a stroller even and just go and move my body because that calms our body down right. too. How can I limit social media um, that helps limit the noise Um and I know for a lot of women, this has been the discussion. If I limit social media, then my head, I'm putting my head in the sand and ignoring it. And I think it's more of boundaries that take a little bit of time in the morning and at night. But we really have to put boundaries around social media right now. I went through that, especially when this first hit and we're in lockdown, like watching the news. I mean, God, it was just infiltrated with mm-hmm. all negative it made you paranoid, which, mm-hmm. I mean, we have to have some extent, but I'm like, this isn't good. Like, I feel like I'm going to vomit just watching the news. So I was like, I'd rather just stay ignorant right now. Sure. And- <laughs> if you think about it, you read one thing, all of the resources, sources are going to say the same thing. So I don't need to be watching, you know, reading CNN and the Washington Post and the New York <laughs> Times. Like, they're all going to say the same thing. So how can we stick to a couple of resources and um, limit it? The big one, sleep. Um, mm-hmm. That really impacts our nervous system right now. Um, and I'm not, I mean, I know what I'm saying is hard to get when we've got little ones. And it is kind of going back to like the good enough coping tools right now when we're, first of all, in a vulnerable time in our lives with little ones and we're in this kind of place with COVID too. So I'm giving all these tools that's helpful. And yet what does like the good enough look like today? Right. I sneak it in when I can get it if I can today. And if not, maybe I can tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I was at a coffee shop recently and I, I'm probably going to mess up the sign, but it cracked me up. It said something about bathrooms the hiding spot for parents so little ones can't find them. And I was like, well, they can because I can remember like seeing <laughs> fingers. Now it's the cat's paw underneath there. But oh, yeah. I was like, isn't that the truth? Like, oh, I don't know if you, but I've been having sessions with clients in their closets, in their bathrooms, oh, in yeah. their cars. Like mamas are trying to find a hiding spot. I get it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, tag us and let us know where your What's hide and your seek spots. Yeah, solitude. Spot <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, that's, like getting out to do movement has been great because that's like the only time you can have some peace and quiet and i've been again when it comes to like angst and irritability and i think the one thing is we've been i've been talking about is you know when i'm in like a fight or flight state my body wants to move so it wants to run from the bear that is not actually there but what helps is actually engaging in what your body wants to do. Mm-hmm. So getting outside for um, a good walk or some movement is just really going to calm that brain and body down for, for a little bit in that moment. Love it. Mm-hmm. So tell the listeners, Sentimental Counseling has been on fire. Oh, yes, we've been growing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell us about it. So Mika Sentimano is our director, and um, she's been in practice for um, a very long time. And, you know, her vision was to grow as a counseling 
um, center for women um, and having a lot of different kind of practitioners there. So right now we have four therapists. Um, again, we went from Mika to me to now we have Stephanie and Catherine as a therapist. Um, we have Tiffany who runs groups. Tiffany just had a baby, so she's on maternity oh, congrats, leave. Congrats, <laughs> And then we just added um, a pelvic floor specialist, Kelsey, which I'm so glad she is on board. We're talking so much to our mamas now about what recovery looks like, how is pain. There was some new research out last year about postpartum pain and the inability to control it can increase postpartum depression so which makes sense right Right. um so yeah um she's a great resource in-house and then we have kansas city infant feeding that helps with another major stress for mamas is the feeding aspect so again pain and feeding a big kind of stressor for mamas postpartum we're having um easier access to with with our with our counseling. Well, I'm so that's really smart to have that added in. I have a, a client right now who's pregnant and just explaining to her like the the breastfeeding does not come natural and that's another thing I think women feel so much shame around. If it hadn't been for the lactation specialist, holy smokes, I don't know that I would have got through the first Man, couple of months. It's so <laughs> tough. And I think again, going back to that pain, breastfeeding and pain oh, and yeah. mood. And I think a lot of women are, well, it has to be painful. I can't figure out how it it's not, but oh I Again, I'm feeding over and over and over during the day, and every time it's painful. Like, and that's so hard on us too. And then the stress, like you said, of heightened. Like, I gotta take care of this little one. So if I can't do my job to feed them, then I'm not taking care of them. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a big thing. That first of all, it's supposed to come natural for us. It is our job. This is what we do, and we're supposed to. It's supposed to be easy. So a lot of again expectations of ourselves that um, that we get from our culture and growing up and all the myths of motherhood that um, we definitely need to challenge and get more help on. Yay. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of wrap up with like, what are your go-to resources? Obviously we're going to put all the, mm-hmm. everybody that's joined Sentimental Counseling on the show notes so they can find that. But mm-hmm. have there been any other like online groups yeah. or any books or anything mm-hmm. that you felt like I did find out because Mika mentioned it, mm-hmm. the female brain. Yeah is now into a movie by Whitney Cummings yes. and you will laugh, cry. Is that on Netflix? I don't remember where I got just Google, I know it's Google on. It. Yes. Uh-huh. I've been wanting to see that. Um what am I loving right now? <laughs> what I love Solitude is Solitude and yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> mountains. I don't read or listen to anything motherhood when I'm not in my job. You know, Postpartum Support International, PSI, it is um, the entity of postpartum support. They have been doing a great job in terms of pivoting during COVID and doing some um online support groups and they recognize dads as well. So that's a great one. Um Nationally, you know, locally, Advent Health, which I've been a part of, um, has had they have a postpartum emotional support group. They've got a pregnancy after loss group and they've got a perinatal loss group Mm. and they are all virtual right now. But I think we're moving over to in person um, as soon as we can safely. So that's a a local group um, that we've been working with. And we've had groups in house. Um, Again, Tiffany runs those and she'll she'll be back someday. (laughs) Um, But what we know is support. Support um, by moms um, together has been oh, yeah. it is one of the 
um, the aspects that is helpful in recovery. So again, we're trying to get moms access to each other. <clears throat> yeah, we're mm-hmm. not meant, as you'd always say, <clears throat> we're not meant to do this alone. No, I, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, Kara, as always, it's nice to put the spotlight on you and talk oh, about what you're up thanks, to and Becca. doing. So I know moms will find this very helpful. I hope so. Um, and have lots of resources that they can lean on because... Mamas, we hear your struggle right now, and we got mm-hmm. we got your back. Yep, yep, we're listening. <laughs> um, reach out if you need help, and uh, yeah, you're not supposed to be doing it alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bye, queens. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fit queen Hashtag fit for a queen. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.